Welcome to Your Calling, our podcast, the podcast for Evangel University. Evangel actually means good news, and we want to share good news with you about the incredible ways our alumni, students, and friends are changing the world. I'm your host, Hector Cruz, and I work in the University Advancement Office at Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. Before introducing our guests, we'd like to thank the Assemblies of God Credit Union for sponsoring this podcast. Founded by Assemblies of God employees in 1951, AGCU provides day-to-day banking services for people across the United States and missionaries in 190 countries worldwide. When you bank with AGCU, you're helping support church ministry, university scholarships and programs, and humanitarian efforts. Our guest today is Ms. Kay Logston. Kay has been a leader in digital content development for more than 30 years. Her work includes a past role as the public information director for the city of Springfield, and development of the Creamery Arts Center and outgrowth of the city's initiative to turn a Brownfields area into a community park. Her work led to receipt of the Governor's Pathfinder Award for Tourism, as well as beneficial partnerships in the arts community and with the Convention and Visitors Bureau. And there's so much more in addition to all of that. She's our 2021 Evangel University Distinguished Alumna, and we will be honoring her more formally during homecoming at Evangel on October 22nd and 23rd this year. Kay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Hector. So first question before we even get into the others, when you hear some of those things and consider other aspects of your bio, which we'll get into, what comes to mind? <laughs> that I'm old? <laughs> <laughs> no, that there's, that there's opportunity in, and, and that I've been able to do some amazing things while living in Springfield. Uh, I didn't have to leave. I mean, I, I did for 10 years, but, yeah. um, but when we came back, uh, there was opportunity that was beyond what I ever expected to find. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's start at the very beginning. Where were you born? This surprises people who think I've been in Springfield my whole life um, because I, I have not. And I was born actually in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Okay. Um, and how so long yeah. were you there? Just, I was, um, was I four when we left? I always forget. I think I was either two or four. I can't remember. We've okay. moved so many times. So, so we have moved, my, my parents were there in New Hampshire because they, um, they went to CB, CBI at the time, CBC, and, um, and then began uh, planting churches. So they went first to Indiana and then they went to the, to the East Coast to, to the um, Massachusetts first and then to New Hampshire. And they were doing church planning for the assemblies. Awesome. Um, but after after my grandfather Compton died, we they moved to the Midwest and they had two little girls by that time. Um, and then we moved, I, I don't know, six or seven more times while I was growing up. Um, wow. Yeah, my dad left left the church planting at that time and went to work for Montgomery Ward. And that was the era of every time you get a promotion, you get a transfer that comes up, comes with it and they move you to another town, usually a bigger town. So we progressed from small towns um, to, um, to Kansas city. And, um, and then after I was at Evangel, they moved to Detroit. So progressively larger cities. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So he was able to have, um, ministry experience early on and then went into the, the corporate world. Mm -hmm. I'm interested how that impacted you seeing his practice in ministry, but then your career has been in the corporate world too. You know that that is a great question. I mean, there's there's three of us in our family: my my older sister and my younger brother, uh, who was also a distinguished alum. Yeah. Uh, um, and but Dad told my sister and I that, and this again, this was a long time ago. It was an era when women were not in the corporate world. 
uh, dad always told my sister and I there was nothing we couldn't do. And we were probably foolish enough to believe him <laughs> and, and, uh, and just took on what interested us. Yeah. And um, so that, that corporate side uh, came out. My, my sister has her doctorate. Um, she's a, she just reti- recently retired. She's been in nursing her whole life and in nursing leadership and, and teaching. She retired as a dean of a university, a nursing school. And, um, and you know, we all just kind of followed. We, we, understood, we understood business. And when yeah. you understand business, you can do just about anything. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, no matter if you're in the corporate world or nonprofits, if you understand business, you're right. That's that's the key to a lot of different opportunities. Yeah. So um, tell me about when did you graduate from Evangel? What was your degree in and, and some of those things? Oh, let's see. Um, I graduated in 1977. So I was there from 73 to 77. Tr- traditional four-year student. Um, that was just before uh, people started coming in and doing the CLEP tests and all of that and graduating in fewer years, but I had the full, the full evangel experience. The full experience. There's some that that have been on this that have uh, loved the experience so much they extended it to five or six years. Yeah. yeah, Our daughter was one of those. She was was on the five-year plan. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And since we've been back to, in fact, I mean, we made it to homecoming even while we were living uh, away from Springfield, but of course, since when we haven't missed a homecoming, my my major was um, interesting. There there actually uh, wasn't a communications department at the time, so there wasn't an actual communications major. So I kind of cobbled one together, yeah. uh, doing a, a degree in journalism, which was in the humanities department, and a degree in English. So I did a double major in journalism and English. Okay, awesome. I love that. And so tell me a little bit about. Um... Well, let's start with your your first job out of Evangel. What were you doing when you graduated from Evangel? Where did you go to work? Yeah, well, I was working. This was Neil Esklin, who was at Evangel at the time, um, and one of our professors. He came to me one day and said, there's an opportunity at KTTS Radio. Are you interested in doing an internship? And KTTS was full out country. And in the 70s, you know, other than maybe the Almond Brothers, that we weren't listening to country, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I approached it with some hesitation going, <laughs> but it was in the news department. So okay. it was news. And there were five uh, men in the newsroom. They There had been one female reporter um, in, in broadcast prior to me, and she'd moved on to a bigger market. So then I was the second and the only female at the time in all of broadcasting in, in Springfield. Um, as I was working at KTTS, there became... Uh, there came along some women who worked worked weather and then moved into news. So we, I was right at the beginning of, of some of that. Awesome. Um, probably should have taken better advantage of that. I don't know. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I wonder where that would have led me. But um, uh, I, so I was working at KTTS. So I got the internship and then they hired me afterwards. And so I worked there for a couple of years until we moved away. Until I got married and moved away. Okay. But I, I loved it. it these, these guys they took they t- they taught me they took good care of me helped me understand the ropes of broadcasting um and i had some amazing experiences while i was working there so i want to hear a little bit about those experiences maybe some of the fun ones because i've heard <laughs> stories so i've heard a story and you can confirm this is your chance to confirm or deny that you were the ultimate pro when it came to reading the news that you were unflappable you probably know where i'm going with this <laughs> yeah well you know there were there were tricks all right yes. so 
back in that day, you sat in front of a, a news console and you were operating all the different pods and levers and all these kinds of things. So much of that's automated now. Um, and you're just talking in front of a microphone, but we, we were doing you know, a lot of things at once. So you kind of had to become unflappable. Um, and so I'm, I'm not sure which instance you're talking about, but I'll give you two. Okay, good. One is, one is when they came and I've got, I'm reading Newswire, so Newswire copy. And it's live. Physically reading a piece of paper and it's live. Yeah. And they come in with a lighter and set my news on fire. <laughs> That's the one I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They used to, I used to take my shoes off um, while I was sitting at the console too. And they would come in and steal my shoes and tickle my feet while I was on, while I was on the air. And then, then there was the time because they did that all the time. They played tricks on me all the time. There was the time in uh, probably what was, it would have been August of 77 when, uh, when Elvis died. Okay. And I was on the air live when that came across the newswire. Yeah. And somebody behind me ripped, which, which wasn't uncommon if there was breaking news, they'd rip the newswire and hand it to you. They handed it to me and I read it really quickly while I'm still talking. Yeah. And it, it was announcing that Elvis had died. And this is a country music station in the yeah. 70s. You know, yeah. this is big news. And I'm like, I am not going to say that. There, I am, I am you not thought it was a trick. With that. And I flipped off the mic real quick and I said, is this for real? And they said, read it. So I flipped the mic back on and I read it. And so we were the first to break the news wow. uh, at that time as well in, for the Springfield market, which wow. was a pretty big, a great big country. It still is a, a big country music market. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge deal too. Yeah. I mean, in terms of news journalism, breaking news, and that sort of thing. I mean, that was that was big news. Yeah, that, those are the memories that stick with you. The, yeah. those kind of things. I love that. That's awesome. So you mentioned leaving KTTS when you got married and and uh, and moved on. Um, I did, that's some... what you did in the seventies. You got married and you moved on. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you go after KTTS? Um, so we moved to North Carolina, where okay. Paul. Many of you know my husband, Paul Logs Paul. Paul Kenneth Logston, who is the was the Evangel's public relations director for 30, 33 years. Plus. Yeah, yeah. And, and my uh, former roommate, which is a story for another <laughs> another podcast. Maybe someday we'll have Paul on and we can talk about that. But uh, we I, have that in common, Hector. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so so you moved to North Carolina. We moved to North Carolina where he had a job in in uh, contemporary Christian music, and um, uh, and I looked for a job. It it wasn't easy um, to find a job because they they all said I was overqualified. Mm. I had a degree, you know, Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was a woman in the seventies in North Carolina and not, to, not to, not to call on a stereotype, but it was very difficult. Yeah. And, uh, and eventually I got hired at um, WFLB, uh, which was a, um, a top 40 rock station. Okay. I, um, I worked there for a while. I was very uncomfortable working there. Um, the, the advertising was, something that was not, um, let's just say evangel friendly. Yeah. Okay. You know, and I, I wasn't particularly worldly at that time. Yeah. And, and thankfully, thankfully. Yeah. And so, so I left there. Um, and I, and I just kind of cobbled some jobs together until I, I worked at, um, I guess until we moved, we only lived there about eight months. Okay. So we just, we just managed. And then we, we moved the radio station that Paul was working at was sold, changed formats. And okay. we moved to Pennsylvania. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, so following that career trajectory, you were in Pennsylvania and um, 
did you stay in radio in the, up in Pennsylvania? Yeah. So we moved to, we moved there and he was working at a um, recording studio and we opened our own um, artist talent agency and began booking groups. So I worked with, with that, with him. And I, I, you know, it's been a long time. I can't remember the trajectory, but I also, I worked at WDAC, okay. which was a hundred thousand watt uh, Christian music, uh, Christian radio station. Um, serving the Lancaster County area, which is a beautiful part of Pennsylvania. Yeah. I loved living in Lancaster County. We were there for 10 or 11 years. Our kids were born there. Um, it, it's a it's a beautiful part of the country. And I loved working at WDAC. Uh, I did the I did the, the news there. Um, and uh, it was, I'm trying to remember. I, the reason I quit was because I was doing the, the morning news. I would go in at like 4.30 in the morning Mm. start start doing news at five or five thirty, but I had terrible morning sickness and okay. so and again it, these were not friendly times for women in the, in the work world yeah and while they were very accommodating I just couldn't I couldn't do it I would do a newscast and throw up and do a newscast and throw up Ugh. yeah so um so I got a job at the Quarryville Sun Ledger and began working in newspaper, which was which was really fun as well. So great relationships. I still keep in touch with people from WDAC. It's amazing. I made some wonderful friends there. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, but the, but then the news leader or the <laughs> news leader, the um, the Sun Ledger offered me some great opportunities to interview some fascinating people. Yeah. So, and <laughs> and on that one, I could take. Um, I I ended up taking, uh, I guess it was Derek uh, along with me on interviews. So that was very innovative. Yeah. That as a baby, I could carry him along with me and do yeah. it. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've you've set the stage well, and I and I was hoping you would. You've had a, a fascinating and successful <laughs> career in media. Yeah. And I was telling some people before we got on here. Quite honestly, I w- I was a little intimidated to 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 do this interview with you because you're the the expert in, in doing this. And now here I am trying to ask you questions and cobble together something interesting for people to try to share how interesting and, and successful your career has been. So how have you seen media change with all of your experience in radio and print journalism? And now like with the innovation of, of podcasts and, and radio stations online and all of those things, how have you seen, seen the industry change? Uh, you know, obviously, so, so much, but there's a fundamental that addresses your opening remarks to this question that doesn't change. And that fundamental is that if you're interested in other people, that shows. Mm. And so just just being interested in what they have to say and trying to unearth the story behind the story, everybody has a story. Yeah, that's so true. I'm, I'm actually very introverted. I, I, you know, if you know me at all, you know that I'm in the back of the room, not the front of the room. Yeah. If at all possible. Yeah. But I watch and observe. And when I can get deep into conversations with people, that's when I thrive. Mm. And when I can learn something about them, there's always something that you can uncover, which is fascinating. So that hasn't changed. The format has changed. Sure. You know, the format has changed. Just like I talked about the equipment. Um, it, it used to be complicated. Now it's it's simple and often somebody else is running it or a robot is running it for you or whatever. Um Podcasts are a fascinating thing to me right now because um, people initially said they they wouldn't be interesting because everybody was into video. Yeah, podcasts are something that you can do while you're dual tasking, and right. so they they become very very popular. And I've become a very big fan of them. So I, I love the fact that Evangelist doing a podcast. 
Yeah, so that's a, that's a great kind of segue. This is kind of an impromptu question. Besides the Evangel podcast, which I'm sure you just wait on pins and needles for the next episode to drop every week, um, what other podcasts, if you could say your your top two or three podcasts that you like to listen to, what other podcasts are you listening uh, to? You know, I, I can't even, I, I flip around, okay. all right? So, so they're usually food related. Okay. Um, sometimes marketing, um, sometimes spiritual um but i can't i i can't name a favorite i can't even name one right now so it's more uh, it's more uh i'm sort of a hit or miss i'll listen for a little bit i don't usually have blocks of time yeah right i'm where i'm just sitting yeah so i I get that i I expect to in the future that's right yeah my my day's coming and uh and I, i expect to so, I, I'm not a video person either, you know, so same thing. I mean, a, a two minute video is too long for me. Yeah. Even though I've produced them. That's right. <laughs> yes. you know? Yeah. And try to make them interesting and try to break them into segments and all that sort of thing. Nobody, in my opinion, has hit on the magic uh, uh, formula for length or, or yeah. type of content or how it's segmented yet. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people are like me. They they listen to a little bit of a lot of different things, trying to find something that that would interest them. There's so much choice out there that it almost get almost gets too overwhelming. It is overwhelming. You're exactly right, and and that's part of my so my challenge is, and this is, I don't really watch much TV anymore. Um, and and as far as the podcast things, there's so many good podcasts. I my problem is I don't even know where to start. Yeah. You know, and it's hard for me to binge watch something or listen to a podcast because I feel like I need to to either watch the whole thing in one sitting or listen to the whole podcast. So without being able to commit to listening to a whole season or series, um, I'm it's hard for me to, to get started in that regard. So um, I agree know, with you. So much choice. The creative people I work with, with love, love the, the ability to put their earbuds in and and design away because they're just concentrating on the design and yeah. that, that's a perfect audience. Yeah. Uh, that's my other challenge is it's hard for me because I'm typically at my computer. I'm, I'm, I'm writing something, whether it's just emails and responding or, or putting, you know, some thoughts together for different communication pieces and whatnot. Um, it's hard for me to listen to somebody talking while I'm trying to come up with my own words. So, yes. so a lot of times for me, I just have ambient music playing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's true. That that's exactly right. But the, the, um, the key, I think for, you know, for marketing, what Evangel's doing is, is you have, you have an audience that has affinity to you. Yeah. And if you just capture that audience, that's your target anyway. Right. And so the, the key is finding content that they want to listen to content. I'm not, and you know, this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but content that, um, that, moves them forward in some way and makes them appreciate the fact that they went to Evangel. Absolutely. And that's part of the reason we started this podcast was, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do with the, the, our alumni efforts is so many people, when they talk about their experience at Evangel, they talk about people, Yeah. you know, and so the Evangel story is really the story of our alumni. And so when we can share stories like, like yours and like the others that we're featuring, that's the evangel story. Mm-hmm. And like you said, everybody has a story. Everybody has something interesting mm-hmm. if you take the time to listen and ask good questions. And that's, that's why this podcast is one of the favorite things I get to do. Yeah, and, and I totally should be putting my radio voice on for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. It's real, raw, and authentic. We love it. <laughs> So let's get into your current job. What are you currently doing? What are you currently working on? So 
So I work for a company called Wisdom. Um, it's a, a data intelligence company. You know, it's the kind of job I wouldn't have even known to plan for when I was an evangel student. Um, this is going to really date me, and you, I'm sure you won't believe it, Hector, but the internet did not exist. No. When I went to evangel. Impossible. <laughs> it was just a gleam in somebody's eye. Somebody yeah. who's very wealthy today, I'm sure. <laughs> That's true. Yep. <laughs> but at Wisdom, we, we analyze mobile data. And um, we look at it through a behavior lens. So the motivations for why people do what they do. Then we help companies define their audience and figure out how to best message to them. So it's yeah. a very, um, it's, it's highly, uh, high use of technology, high use of data, and then the analysis part. Yeah, a, a big component of psychology, which is so interesting when you get into those motivations and those behaviors. You're talking about incorporating business or communications and psychology. Yeah. Uh, which is really and this fascinating. Is, this is something that I'm not sure anybody can really train for. I mean, you have to train your brain in certain ways. Yeah. And you have to be curious, just like any journalist. Yeah. And uh, you have to to look for the the things that tie things together. One of the things that I took away from Evangel that um, that that Dr. Uh, Jim Edwards gave to me. Uh, he was one of our one English professor, one of my favorite professors. Yeah. He and Dr. Bickett were just terrific influences on my life. But Dr. Edwards, um, I think it was, he marked it on one of my papers that I had a talent for uh, condensing complicated material into something understandable. Yeah. And I, I read that over and over and over again. And I claimed that not, and not even, you know, not knowing that's what I was doing, but it was like, um, okay, then I can take complicated information and condense it down. And that's yeah. what an analyst does. Uh, yeah. So I've grown into that job. I mean, I, I, I started with this company. So a little background, I started with this company. Um, the owner is an entre a serial entrepreneur, as we say, and he had an advertising agency, one of the top advertising agencies, Noble Communications, uh, in this area. And I went to work for them to uh, help with one of his side companies, the foodchannel.com. Okay. So Food Channel was... Um, uh, an internet site. We used it mostly for our clients to be able to learn how to uh, put content on the internet. Again, this was early, early days. So this mm -hmm. is 15 years ago or whatever, when some of those food sites were just beginning. Uh, we've since sold it. We sold all of our assets and, and, and everything. We own a little bit of the trademark still. Um, so I've just progressed with him through agency work, through food channel work, and into the, into this insights analysis work. That's awesome. I, I love that. And I know a little bit about your background in regards to that. And I know some of it was actually kind of looking into the future of what food people would want to order for certain companies. Yeah. So tell me the top two or three, what are, what are the top two or three dishes or, you know, menus that you were most excited to be a part of creating that people might have ordered or might have experience with? I, um, I think there's client confidentiality there. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's an acceptable, that's an acceptable answer. <laughs> but, I like. but I have had some amazing experiences. I've eaten some amazing meals, worked with some terrific chefs. Yeah. And, you know, this, again, I could never have dreamed this as a student that I would be able to walk into a, a major kitchen with a representative from one of the fortune 500 food companies and, um, and analyze what they were cooking and tell them whether 
not only whether it tasted good, but whether it was the right thing that people were looking for these days and make suggestions and tweaks to their menu and redesign entire menus for, for restaurants. That's awesome. Um, it, it really, that, I mean, that, I've had a lot of highlights in my career without question. And, and all this from Springfield, you know, yeah. this part of it's all been from Springfield. Um, but although we had an office in Chicago and I spent a lot of my time there and I spent time in New York and San Francisco yeah. and, and, uh, and a lot of travel, you know, they sent me to Australia, you know, so yeah. there's a lot, there's just a lot of, a lot of travel that I've had to, that I've been able to do. Um, thankfully don't have to do that now. Yeah. Now you can travel when you want to. Yeah. That's right. So um, speaking of that, what are some, with your current job, what are some hobbies that, uh, that you like to, to practice or that you have? <laughs> um, so because of my current job, there's not a lot of time for hobbies. I, I'm, I'm not a, I, I'm a writer, you know, okay. I love to write. So any spare time, I mean, this goes with me everywhere. A journal, yeah. Yeah, I still, I, I still write by hand when I really need to get some thoughts out. That's good. Um, and I mean, I also, also keyboard, but um, yeah, there but, is, but you're right. There is a, there is a difference there. There is something therapeutic about writing your thoughts out by hand. It's kind of a lost art. And, and I think um, really helps you process things because you have to be a lot more intentional with what you're writing. It's also my first draft. Yeah. So I can get all that down in my first draft. And then when I reread it, I can reword and rework it and move things around when I type it mm-hmm. so that I, I, I actually can end up then with an article that it's already been through two drafts um, because otherwise I'm a very lazy writer and I would write something and send it off and be done. Yeah. And that's never a good idea. It's yeah, you really gotta... need the discipline of editing um, in order to have something that's, that's valuable. That's good. That's awesome. Well, I want to pause and call out the uh, Evangel's communications department. I know you mentioned that you um, that it didn't exist when you were at Evangel, yeah. um, but do want to just kind of highlight and share that uh, the communication department at Evangel, it prepares students to pursue careers within various communication-related fields. And yes, if you were wondering, this is a commercial for the communications department at Evangel. Uh, students study video, audio, and film production, journalism, public relations, advertising, public speaking, multimedia design, and much more, all applied through methods of electronic media, print, and oral communication. And I uh, want to mention the public speaking aspect. You were on the forensics team at Evangel, and a good friend of yours and someone who's a good friend of mine now, Nick Vincent, says hello. I talked to him yesterday and um, yeah. told him that I was going to be on the podcast with you, and he said he wanted me to tell you hello. So awesome. hello from awesome. Nick Vincent. Yeah, we were we traveled together with the debate and oratory team, and um, uh, wonderful, wonderful memories. I see Nick from time to time, so it's great. That's one of those evangel connections that has lasted through the years. That's awesome. So let's get into a little bit more of the evangel side. What brought you to evangel? Uh, Parental pressure. (laughs) Just truth, just direct, right there. Okay. Yeah. You'd think get given what people know about me now and this hard, sometimes people think of me as a hard driven marketing professional um, (laughs) that I would have been eager, eager to go. But again, uh, it was a different era. Um, But my parents, as I mentioned, had gone to, to, to CBC. My parents were both from Springfield, although once they married, they never lived in Springfield. So I didn't grow up here. Um, But they said Evangel would have been perfect for them if it had existed then. Mm, okay. So they became part of the original Layman's Council and Ladies Auxiliary 
which are now combined into one evangel auxiliary. Right. And um, so the point is they were really big supporters of evangel. Yeah. And so the, I was, you know, in my last year of high school and hadn't made any dis- determinations about what to do. I was dating this really nice young man, um, six foot six back- basketball player, you know, great guy. And I had his class ring and, and we, you know, we used to do that today. You had a class ring that had yarn wrapped around the inside of it. And you, okay. that's what you wore. Yeah. You're too young to know that, but <laughs> some of my contemporaries might recognize that. Um, we were, we were sure that marriage was in the future. And so I just wasn't even thinking about a college degree. Um, my parents were wise though. And while they liked the guy just fine, they thought I was too young. And they said, if I would do a year at Evangel, then they wouldn't object if I still felt the same way after a year at Evangel. Wow. So I never applied anywhere else. I just said, okay, fine. I'll go to Evangel. Just sure that I would, you know, maybe not even last the year. Yeah. But it only took one semester and my world was broadened and I had new new ambitions and saw there was so much more that I didn't know that I I wanted to know. And I got a thirst for knowledge. And so I returned um, home over Christmas break and returned his ring. And uh, that's kind of, you know, the the rest of the story. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. That's fascinating. So how did that experience at Evangel, the rest of the experience at Evangel, how did that shape you? Oh boy. How do you, where do you start with something that has had so much impact? impact on your life. You know, I suppose that's why why we're such big advocates of the in-person on-campus college experience. Yeah. And I know given COVID that's changing more rapidly than it would have, but I, I hope there's still there will still be an element of that because Evangel exposed me not just to the geography of the world, but to, I mean, we were really quite well-traveled. My parents had taken our family to Europe. We'd, we'd gone to World's Fairs. We'd gone all over the country. Um, I think I have one state I haven't visited in my life, you know, so uh, maybe two. Uh, anyway, my I had all of that. It, Evangel was more about diversity of thought mm. and that's where I learned how exciting it was to hold a conversation with somebody about things that really mattered, things that could maybe move an idea forward mm. and that you got somebody else's thinking combined with yours. And all of a sudden you maybe had something Yeah, expanded on it. And it, it certainly evangel, the evangel experience made me more articulate and made me more interested in life in general. That's awesome. I love <laughs> that. And I think that, that, that's going to resonate with with anybody who's attended Evangel. That's the experience that has lasted from the time the school was started in 1955 all the way to now. Yeah, and I agree wholeheartedly with the in person experience. There's just a difference there um, when that happens. So, yeah, um, that's awesome. Compared to now, what was going on in the world when you graduated in 1977? So that would uh, that would assume that I knew what was going on in the world in 1977. <laughs> You know, when you when you work uh, basically a full time job and go to school, um, there's not much time to understand the culture of the world. I knew the news. I knew knew everything that was going on internationally, nationally and locally. Um, But the culture of the era kind of if you if you're thinking of culture as what were the TV shows and what were the the attitudes and all that kind of stuff, certainly the women's movement, the women's movement was huge. Mm. And. And I had, I had, um, well, Dr. Edwards is one of those. I had professors at Evangel that would love to spur me on. Yeah. You know, some were at, 
not antagonistic, but um, but questioning of it. He was all for it. Yeah. And 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 that was in, we had some interesting discussions. Um, there was also the Jesus movement. So the Jesus movement was was shaking up religion in a big way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I think I was one of the not not in that era, but I think I I was one of the first to wear pants to church. You know. Mm, big uh, so, deal. Yeah, it was a huge deal. People have no idea. When I went to Evangel, you couldn't wear jeans until after four o'clock. You know, you you dressed well, up. Of course, I mean that's in the Bible. You you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but you know the Jesus movement and that that CCM music that people were so worried about. Right, right. Wild CCM music. That's right. Yeah. And 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 then we went and made it a career. You know. Yeah. And absolutely. So it, it 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 was a different. Um, Th- those were the culture cultural things that I knew. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, the idea of calling is is a, a huge component of of evangel of the evangel experience of the way we talk and discuss and all those things. Do you feel looking back over your career, looking at what you're working on now, and looking what you want to work on in the future? How does the idea of calling relate to you? Do you feel like you found your calling? What does that mean to you? I, I probably, I don't know how many sermons I've heard on this over the years. Mm-hmm. And of course had these conversations with my own children and with youth group children over the years and, you know, their friends. And, um, but I think at some point you realize that a calling is an interest on steroids mm. and that there are some God given interests or that your, your early exposure or whatever. I know that because we're Christians, we believe we have that God has an overall call in our life. I don't question that at all. God yeah. has, an overall call on my life. Yeah, I'm not sure that that always translates to a career. Mm. I, I think that in your career, when you have God's call on your life, you you impact people because you are a Christian. Um, but sometimes you just you you know I think He wants us to live up to that calling, and 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 go where He wants us to go. If there is a, you know if there is that opportunity, yeah. do as He wants us to do. Those are all good good Christian values to hold. But I think that God also equips us for the calling he gives us. Yeah. He gives us the interest. He gives us the opportunities. He opens the doors. So I know for sure that the Lord has opened doors where I was interested. Yeah. Uh, th- things that I was watching because I was interested. And he goes before you. So I know that for sure. But with, with any job, you sometimes you just have to do it. Like, yeah. like I have this innate desire. I just have to write. You know, so, so is that my calling? Probably. So that's how I reconcile it. You know, I think it's just really that that God confirmed interest that turns yeah. into something. I think you're I mean, you hit it. On, that, that There's a sermon in there, maybe several sermons in there that you need to flesh out and write. But I, I think that that you nailed it, that calling doesn't always necessarily translate to career. But I love the way you put it, that it's an interest on steroids. Mm-hmm. And that can be carried out in a multitude of ways. It can be carried out in the career. It can be carried out in volunteer work. It can be carried out in hobbies. I mean, any of those things um, are are important. Uh, but I, that's just, I think you summed it up well, the, the ethos of, of what, you know, the calling conversation looks like. I mean, our calling is to love God and serve others. That's right. So, as simple as that. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. And, and I have seen so many people go through angst over it to the point of being paralyzed. Yeah. That that I, I really do try to when people ask me, I try to to condense it down to to take away the fear. You're not missing God's calling. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. If you're loving God and serving others. That's right. That's good. That's really good. 
So um, <clears throat> if you didn't do what you're doing now, and I think I know the answer to the question, what you what would you be doing? You think you know the answer? You tell me. <laughs> I think you'd say you would you would want more time to write. Um, yes. I mean, I, I, I do want I want more dis more disciplined time where I can sit down and, and finish something instead of being distracted by so many assignments. Sure. Um, but, you know, it, it, and speaking of Nick, Vincent, he, uh, you know, he he tried to talk me into being a lawyer. Um, and <laughs> Which you would have been great at that, too. I, there's often times when that, that was something that wasn't even in my line of sight. I mean, I didn't take him seriously. It, it just it just seemed too, too big or too lofty. Mm. Um, but I have spent years interpreting, condensing down the complicated pieces of the law yeah. at the city. When I worked for the city, you know, I was right there with the law department translating those legal documents into something that the city council members could digest quickly and could understand they, yeah they could have, you know it's not that they couldn't have done the same thing but they didn't have the time so so i would condense that down i've spent years interpreting the law reading contracts pulling out what's important all of that so so maybe a lawyer um um but but a lawyer who wrote <laughs> yeah yeah i love that what uh, what book recommendations would you have for me? Really, this is a selfish question for me, but really for our listeners, what book recommendations would you have? Are you reading any books now? What are your thoughts? I'm on beach time right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, get the books away from me. I just want to relax. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I've gone through all the marketing staples, you know, good to great and first things first. And, uh, you know, there's, there's one I love that is called Wear Clean Underwear. Okay. Um, yeah, there's some there's some really interesting marketing books out there. I, I again, I am not that lofty. I love culinary mysteries. I love Hallmark mysteries. Okay. I of course Hallmark Hallmark was a client, so I I got to um, we did recipes for them and and um, and have, have worked with 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 them. In, in ways I, I really can't go into, but. Um, <laughs> but we, so, and we have some alumni that have worked for them too. Yes, we do. Yes. So, so skimming through those kinds of novels, I, I, I love skimming through the Hallmark novels to see if I have one in me. So yeah. as you say, concentrated time to write in more writing time in the future. That's, that's something that, that I've been teased, teasing around with in my head. Um, but, you know, I, I really, um, I, I also like reading books by people I know. Yeah. So, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but we know a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just I just finished two by David and Beth Grant. Okay. Um, uh, I just finished reading Annie Ann's bio, Anna, or autobiography. Okay. Um, wait, I mean, it's been out for a long time. I just finished it. Um, I have one pending um, from Heath Adamson at Convoy of Hope that yeah. is is high. I've got a I've got a stack. You know, well, a stack. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but next up is the one by Sam Duryagian. He's an Evangel graduate who went yeah. on to become a federal federal judge. Sam was a, a student at Evangel with us. And um, oh, and, and I've also, I just ordered one by Doug Brendel, who was also on the speech and debate team yeah. with Nick and I. Um, and he's written a novel. I think it's his first novel. He's written other books, but uh, this one's called Praying for Mrs. Mumbasa. I'm not sure if I'm Mombasa. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but okay. I, I ordered that. So um uh, Doug and his wife do tremendous missionary work. They're not missionaries, but they do work yeah. with them in in Belarus, uh, Belarus, and um, and that just came out. So again, I have all these books by people I know that are top of my reading list. 
that's a great list and has given us plenty of homework to consider. And I'll <laughs> and just say financial connections, you know, yeah, so I love that. I love that. And I'll just say too, I don't think the question is if you have a, a book in you, I think it's which one do you want to write first? <laughs> and and therein lies, you are a great psychologist. <laughs> therein lies my problem. <laughs> Sometimes when you can multitask, it's a, it's a curse. Sometimes when you can do too many things, you don't end up doing any one of them well. So that's always something I have to guard against. Yeah, that's good. That's good insight. What, um, what do you think a lot, this is the last question, and then we'll get into a little game. What do you think a lot about these days? What kind of, what, what are you worried about? What are you excited about? What are things that are on your mind? Mm. Well, I think the retirement system is terrible and that people need to have a book on how to navigate it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that living topple, that right now. Yeah, that would topple the, and, and that indicates my age, but that would topple the insurance, legal, financial consulting industry, and so on to yeah. actually make it easy for somebody to understand it. But, um, uh, you know, I think a lot, this isn't worry, I think a lot about my kids and my grandkids. We've, we've got four wonderful grandkids. Yeah. And, um, and we'd love to see them and play with them and we want them to grow up um, with, some, with the same values that, that, we've, that we have always held. Yeah. So those are the things I think about is, is, is maintaining my health and maintaining my family. And fun note on that, you guys have the longest running uh, heritage with what you mentioned earlier, the auxiliary, the, the EU auxiliary. We do. I think, I think it's the longest. My grandmother, my grandma Perkin was a, um, a, a founding member. My mom may have been a founding member because my grandma signed her up okay. you know? <laughs> and, and then my mother's, signed me up at one point. Mm -hmm. I think, I think we've each paid the dues for the other yeah. at point in our lives. Um, and then, and then I signed my daughter up for, you know, willingly, she wanted to be part of it. Yeah. So there's, there's at least there's the four generations that have been involved with that auxiliary. And we're just waiting a few more years before we can add the fifth. Yeah. She, she has a daughter and we'll, we'll claim her at some point. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> So um, we like to play a game with our guests called Two Truths and a Lie. And so um, this is where you're going to tell me three things. Two of them are true, and one of them is a lie, and I have to try to guess. See, you, I don't know what you know about me. <laughs> well, I'm about to learn something else, I'm sure. Maybe, maybe. So two truths and a lie. Yeah. So don't tell me which is which. You just tell me three things and I'll try to guess. Okay. Um, okay. I worked as an insurance and payroll clerk at what became Aldi Foods. Ooh, okay. I served as an extra in a Hallmark movie. Okay. I played violin in a state youth symphony. Ooh, boy. Um, you know any of those? Okay, well, okay, here's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess here. The Hallmark Extra, because, I mean, I do know, you mentioned it, but I do know you, you've worked with Hallmark, and we have, you know, you have alumni connections and friends and things, and so that one I think is true. Um. I, here's my thinking on the other two. I'm going to say that you have played violin in the youth symphony. And I'm going to say the, the Aldi thing. Um, 
is the is false just because I think that it maybe was a technicality. It wasn't that job specifically. So that's that's my guess. All all fair summation. Totally wrong, but um. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Enlighten all right. me. I played violin in Kansas State Youth Symphony. We lived in, in Kansas, various places, but we lived in Kansas long enough for me to be, become involved in the orchestra. And, um, and I auditioned and I got first chair, second violin with the Kansas State Youth Symphony. Awesome. And my folks moved while I was serving in that symphony, but, but enabled me to go back by train to, um, to play. Oh, cool. So I, I think I was... 14 or 15 and I was traveling by train by myself and wow. great experience and, and wonderful people in the symphony. Um, and I've written some great articles about the disuse of my violin. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the insurance and payroll clerk at what became Aldi, there was a company when my folks, I, I, they, they moved to Iowa at one point and uh, while I was at Evangel before they moved to Detroit. And I was, um, I went home for a couple summers before I started working at KTTS and there was a company there called Benner T and I got a summer job working for them and they assigned me to do vacation fill in for everybody. So I became the payroll clerk. I became the insurance clerk. Oh man. Okay. So, I so served, that was true. That was true. And Benner T was bought by Aldi or became Aldi foods. Yeah. Okay. And I did not serve as an extra in a Hallmark movie. I have been invited to the sets and I have, you know, work, but I have not ever served as an extra. Oh man, you got me. You got me. <laughs> you win. You win this round. That's awesome. Um, okay. Before we close, what questions do you have for me? I've asked you and peppered you with questions throughout. What questions do you have for me? You know, I, I know that you are both of a generation of that, that does this and you have done side hustles. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I've always been curious how that fits with a full-time job and family. And the reason I asked that question is because women have always been asked, how do you juggle your family and your career? And so I'm turning the tables a little bit and I'm, I'm curious how you do that. Yeah. So I do have, you know, side hustles is something that I think is pretty common for, um, for this generation, at least, you know, my generation. Um, and it can look like a number of different things. Some of them can be more passive and some of them are a little more active. Um, some of them are easier to pick up, uh, when things are slower with the full-time job, as you know, um, with my job at Evangel, it hasn't really been slow <laughs> for, <laughs> for a while. So that means, you, you know, some of the things I've been interested in, in on the side, I just haven't been able to be as active in. Um, but, um, I think for me, especially now with the family, it has slowed some of those things down. Um, but I joke with people that my calendar is wide open from midnight to 5 a.m. So I've got I've got plenty of time for other things to do in that time frame. Um, and my kids have have talked before and I've heard them tell their friends, my daddy doesn't sleep. And so, you know, they'll go to bed and um, I'm trying to do better about this, but I'll, I'll usually, you know, get online and, and take care of things. Sometimes they're work related with Evangel and sometimes they're just more interest things that I'm working on on the side that are, that are not. Um, but I'll get on for a couple hours and, and do some things. And, um, and then I like to, I like personally, I like to wake up early and, and do things in the morning before the sun's up. And, and I, I think that's, that is the answer that women have given over the years. You, you, you can't, I, I I, I used to tell women when back when it was popular to say women can do it all. Um, 
they can just not all at one time. Yeah. There's a season for everything in life and keeping your hand in, I think is really healthy. Well, yeah. you know, but the kids aren't always going to be there. Right. And, th and that's the advice I've taken, you know, from, from you. I mean, you just said it, that's great advice. And from other people I've heard and from my pastor and things, I mean, right now people ask about hobbies. I would answer that question. I don't really have many hobbies. Um, because when I get home from work at five or five thirty or six or whatever it is, I try really hard to be focused and present with the kids until eight or nine o'clock when, cause I only get, you know, two or three hours an evening during the work week with them. Right. And, um, you know, we're fortunate to be in a position where my wife, she stays at home primarily. Um, and so, uh, but I, I get limited time with them and I try really hard to be focused um, cause yeah, I could, I could spend that time working on these other things and, and, but at what cost mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, I, I want to be intentional with my kids and try hard to, to do that. So good question, challenging question. One that's always good to reevaluate. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for joining us, Kay. And thank you for listening to your calling our podcast until next time I'm Hector Cruz and don't forget to share the good news and be the good news. God bless. Mm -hmm.